This is a $100 bill. It's a pretty nice $100 bill. It was in my pocket, so it's a little. You know, I was thinking about this, this particular, you know, denomination of money. We, we have these in our wallets sometimes. So actually, I feel kind of weird when I have something like this in my wallet. I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Anybody else feel uncomfortable sometimes carrying cash? Like feel weird about it? This has power to it. You know, if you think about it. Now, maybe not as much power as it used to. I realize that. But money can have power to do good and power to, to, do, to do evil. This uh, particular amount of money, I had about 30 of these. Uh, and I, about three or four years ago, I took 30 of them or so and went up to Washington. And I gave the guy uh, an envelope with these in it. And he gave me a 1966 Chevy truck paid cash for it. So money has the ability to buy some good stuff. And in fact, that truck has been used for ministry. People have used that to move, and that's been awesome. It's old and cranky, but it still works. You'll see it around town every once in a while. Hopefully it's not broken down. But, uh, but I was thinking about that. Money, money has done some great things. I mean, Jackie and I have, have uh, we used money to, to get it, our, our advanced degrees. We use money to, to buy a house, and we've used money to, you know, support our children. But we've uh, also used money poorly. Anybody else relate to using money poorly every once in a while? A few of us, okay. Not very many hands being raised right now. <laughs> I'm not going to admit that. Uh, you know, money, money can, can be a good thing and it can be something that can kind of draw us to places maybe we didn't mean, intend to go. Um, I, I think about how oftentimes we don't think about when we're spending. And I think there's, there's this thing with this debit card. You, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's just a card. There's no money going. It's just a number. And sometimes we don't really think about what we're using these resources for. And I remember um, in, in my early wisdom, Jackie and I, we got married. And, and if, you've, if you've ever gotten married, you know what this is. You know, usually they give you cash and things like that in envelopes. And that's great because you get started when you're young and married. You don't have a lot of money. And uh, I remember making the great financial decision when I, after I, Jackie and I got married. I used some of that cash because I thought it through. I bought a Sega Genesis system. Now, back in the uh, 90s, that was like the Xbox back in the 90s. And I remember my mom just going, what in the world are you wasting that money for? And it was true. It was a waste of money. But sometimes when it resolved arguments, because Jackie and I could play these games against each other, and then we could feel better afterward. But it was not a wise use of money. And, uh, and this morning, I, I guess I want to ask you the question. We know that money can do good. How many in this room have made good choices with money? At least one good choice. You've made at least one good purchase. You feel good about, yeah, all right. Not everybody's hand went up, so I'm, I'm, I'm nervous right now. Okay, so who's, who's maybe made a, a bad choice or two with, with money? Okay, probably everybody in here has made some, some bad choices with money. Money is a super sensitive topic, and this morning I want to kind of take a different view of it, maybe a view you hadn't really thought of before. Uh, there's, there's great ministries out there to help you with budgeting and that sort of thing. And if you've never done any of, you know, budgeting or, or learning what, what investing means, those are all good things. I mean, we can talk about that in the church family. Those are good things. The scriptures talk about all of those things. In fact, it's one of the biggest topics in scripture is, is money and resources. And there's a good reason for that. It's one of the few things we have a little bit of control on, right? And so, unfortunately, when we get a little bit of control, we like to pretend like we can control everything, and it doesn't really work out that way. There's some 
great resources out there. Dave Ramsey's got a great ministry, some other great ministries too that, that can help with financial side. But I'm, I really want to kind of take a different view of it this morning in, in the short time that we have here. And I realize that sometimes with money, it's, come, it's, it's almost like, don't stick your nose in my business. Money is personal. You know what I mean? It, it can be very personal. How many of you gotten like, many of you are probably, you know, maybe you've married, married in here or something like that. Have you ever gotten a gift, maybe a financial gift from somebody that had strings attached to it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, here, we'll help you buy this, but there's some strings attached. So it's like there's some expectations with that. And that's always fun, especially in family, right? That's always great. I remember there were times where, you know, Jack and I were trying to make difficult financial decisions and we had to weigh out, do we really want to accept help? You know what I mean? There's something to that sometimes. Do you, you want to accept help? Money can be difficult. And the thing is, with, in, in the United States, Americans have some weird financial habits. And, and there's been lots of writing on this. And you don't have to Google very long to, to kind of see the trends in, in how Americans spend their resources. And it's, it's not always a pretty picture, by the way. Americans have some weird financial habits. Only a third of Americans have ever tried to utilize a budget that they're actually trying to have a spending plan. And I realize there's, there's pluses and minuses to that, but at least having some idea before you get the money, what are we going to do with it? Like having some plan. You may not like the word budget, but only a third of Americans really, really have anything like that, a budget. And uh, really about that same amount, only about 30% of Americans have any kind of retirement plan figured out. Now that's kind of a big deal. And so, you know, you, you, you would hope that when you retire from work, you'd have some time to, to have some leisure or maybe you're going to pursue some ministry or you're going to, you know, have those kind of those golden years being doing something that maybe you get to choose to do rather than showing up at the office every, every Monday morning. But uh, most Americans, at least a third of, uh, of them, uh, only about a third have any kind of retirement savings. 20% of Americans have zero saved up for any kind of medical emergency. Now, this hit home with me this week. Because I don't know if you saw, Jackie uh, had a little thing with her finger. She broke her finger. Jackie, my wife, if you haven't met her, that's okay. Um, anyway, she had a, about a month and a half ago, I think. I'm, I'm losing the timeline. But she broke her finger. We got the bill. And we have really good insurance. But even with good insurance, you've been there probably. I still got a bill from West Valley Hospital for $580. Now we have an emergency fund. But the thing is, that's, that, that number, 500, most Americans could not pay that when that came in. And so that just makes you think, well, what are we saving? What are we doing? Are we, are we being good stewards with our money? In fact, uh, I looked at uh, Forbes magazine, and they were talking about this kind of weird financial wisdom that some, sometimes Americans tend to have. 43%, and this is crazy to me. I don't know if you know much about student loan in our country, but it's a huge deal. 43% of student loan borrowers are not making payments. What? And I don't know what that number is. And some of you do probably know what that number is. Some of you are financial people in here. But that's a big deal. Almost half of U.S. You know, student loan borrowers are not making payments. I would imagine that's got to have some impact. 38% of Americans carry credit card debt over $16,000. And you think about it, that kind of interest is pretty crazy. Now, some of you that are young, 
you know, hopefully your parents are telling you a little bit about the dangers of compound interest and all those wonderful things. And those are totally, you know, numbers things, but they affect us. 17% interest, that is crazy. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time today. I want to pray here because I realize this is a sensitive topic. And, uh, you know, I I realize I don't want to step into your business. You know, I, I get that. But what if we could look at our, our, our resources a little different? And that's my hope today. We could look at money and resources in kind of a different light so that we can view it maybe the way that God would want us to see it. My point today is what I'm hoping is that we can start to view money as ministry and our resources for relationship. So using money more for, for ministry and resources for relationship. So here we are early in 2019. Let's pause, take a prayer, and let's uh, get into the message today, my money and our resources. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love for us, your faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. And, uh, Lord, I'm so thankful that we can sing about it, we can pray about it, we can talk about it. And, Father, you, your word is powerful. And so, Lord, we, we pray that as we open the scriptures, you'd speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit moving in this room and that none of us would leave without getting a sense of your love and faithfulness and, and being changed by you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you, you don't have to, to read the teachings of Jesus too long to realize that Jesus himself spoke a lot about this topic. Jesus talked about finances and resources almost more than anything else in his ministry. And again, because I think it's one of those few things that humans have a little bit of control over, or at least we think we do. It's one of those things that can t- t- tend to, to vie for, the, for our hearts. And so Jesus spoke a lot about this one subject. And, and here's the question. Again, why? I mean, of all the things that Jesus could have spent time talking about, you know, all the topics out there, you know, why, why do you think he tended to zero in on money and finances? Why, why do you think that? It's okay. Okay, okay. Reveals the heart, yeah. Now, he doesn't always say, I'm doing this to reveal your heart, <laughs> but it's, it's amazing how his teachings tended to, tended to get to, to the deeper issues. And, and that is true with, with our finances. It's a spiritual issue. We think it's just a money issue or it's just a bank issue, but it's really a, a spiritual issue that how we handle these things, that affects our spiritual life. It really does. I don't know all the ins and outs of the mystery of that, but I do know it's something spiritual. Our faith and our resources tend to work together. And, how, and that, that includes how we spend, how we think about what we're going to spend, what we value, what we invest in. All of that is a spiritual issue. And so I, I guess that's what the kind of the different angle that I want to take on this is that we need to look at it a little differently. Because remember, God owns it all anyway. I mean, technically, he owns it all anyway. So, so really, we're not really owners. We're more like managers. We're more like, you know, helping him out. And so it'd be great if we helped him out in a good way, right? Rather than getting in his way, doing things maybe are not so good. If you have a Bible or a device, go ahead and find, this is in the New, the New Testament section of the Bible. This is a, a big book, I realize. It has lots of books in it, 66 to be exact. And uh, there's a book in there called Matthew. So if you have a device or you have one of these, if you'd like a printed one, I think there's some scattered around the room under the seats. Look for Matthew chapter 5. Now, this is a Hall of Fame sort of message. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is a big deal in, in Christian circles because there's so much in this sermon 
to unpack, and we're not going to be able to unpack everything in this sermon. But just for a recap, Matthew chapter 5 starts this amazing sermon with Jesus giving these blessed be statements. The blessed are, blessed are. You'll, in fact, if you got it in your, in, your, in your Bible, your device, you're starting to see that. He's ca- talking about blessed are. But the thing is, he starts to do things a little upside down. This is, this is what they call kind of turning the world upside down in teaching. He's like, blessed are, we would want to put in there the rich. Blessed are the good looking. Blessed are the people with a million likes on Instagram. That's what we would fill in. But Jesus does something upside down. He said, blessed are the what? Poor. Well, I don't think so. He tends to turn things upside down. That's just a, a little glimmer of what this sermon tends to do. So if you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, this is good stuff this week. Spend some time. I don't know what your Bible reading plan is for 2019. Spend some time in the Sermon on the Mount. Powerful stuff. Stuff that's going to offend you maybe. Stuff that's going get to in, get into your heart. It's going to challenge you on how you thought about things. Blessed are the poor. What? How could they be, how could they be blessed? Those who, blessed are the meek, those who mourn. Okay, so that's just the start. That's just where he gets going. He's just starting here. And then Jesus starts to roll on. He starts talking about radical stuff, being light and being salt in the world, that we have influence in the world. If we watch it, we actually have influence through Christ. He talks about righteousness anger. He talks about lust. How dare he talk about these things? He talks about lust and divorce and, and, and keeping promises. I mean, he starts to get to the heart of how we live every single day, things that we're going to encounter on Monday morning. Jesus is touching on all of these things. He talks about revenge. And he even has so radical of a teaching that he has the audacity to say, love your enemies. Now, in the first century, Jesus here is probably speaking to a pretty Jewish audience. Who do you think their enemies were? The Romans, right? Well, probably a lot of people, but especially those Romans who are living in our country. And this is, this is our country. This is God's country. These Romans are in our way. Jesus has the audacity to say, love your enemies. He's even going to tell them later. You know, if you see a soldier that needs help, you pick up his helmet and carry it for a while. Carry it double the time he asks you. That is radical teaching. So Jesus is turning things up, but I'm not done yet. Hold on. He goes from loving our enemies, then he takes it up a notch. Look at chapter 6, the beginning of chapter 6 here, probably about, well, maybe verse 19, somewhere in there. He starts talking about, about some other things. He talks about you know, giving to the needy without fanfare, giving where nobody knows you gave. You know, uh, humbly praying, humble prayer, fasting. He talks about all these things. And then, verse 19, he says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, are you ready for this? There your heart will be also. You might want to highlight that one. Do you have a highlighter? Anybody still has highlighters? That's pretty good. You can do that now electronically, by the way. Highlight, that's a good one. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, the whole body 
will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here we go. Now, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, there's a lot to unpack there. I'll, I'll, I'll grant it. I mean, we... <laughs> I feel like sometimes the minute I stand up here, the clock is ticking. (laughs) But there's a lot there, and that's what I mean. Spend some time this week and just go through. This is radical stuff. And here, right here, what what are some principles that you maybe could glean just from that we just read? Wasn't very much. What could could we read there? I had one commentator that said, you know what? This, uh, once again, says that money is a great resource, but a bad God. You cannot serve God and money. Verse 24 kind of gave us that hint. And in verse 25 there, in following, there's, there's another kind of principle there that we trust God for security, not money. So even in discussions of retirement plans and all that, you know that that's never a given. That's never a, a for sure thing. So we trust God for our security, not money. This is a great resource, but a bad God. And, you know, I realize that when we talk about money and resources, it, it means a lot. Like, there's, there's more to, to it than just money, right? There's, there's our, our time and our talents, you know, our, 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 uh, our abilities, our focus, our serving. But money is a huge part of that. Money is a huge part of this. Because, we've already said it, that money is a matter of the heart. And it reveals what we really value. Let that sink in for a second. What, what do you really value? That's a, that's a huge thing right there that we just said. Dave Ramsey, I, I like what he said here. He said this, we don't give to God because he needs our money. He doesn't. Nor do we give because our church needs money. We give to become more like Christ. Giving isn't a salvation issue, but it does transform us. It allows us to praise and worship Christ. It's a form of spiritual warfare. I love that a form of spiritual warfare. When we give cheerfully, God knows he can trust us with his money so he can entrust us with more. This isn't prosperity gospel, but it it really is what often happens. This is from his series that he did a few years ago, Life, Money, and Legacy. It's a great series. But giving transforms us. It's a matter of the heart. Again, I want you to see maybe our resources and our money especially from a different angle. That we could again see money more like ministry and we use resources more for relationship. So here we go. How we handle money is spiritual. If you forget everything, that's, that's where I'm headed this morning. So last weekend we talked about faith. Some of you are here. 
We talked about faith, kind of looking at our life through the lens of faith. What does God want to do this year and the next five years for not just us, but for our church family? And we want to look at things through the lens of faith. I mean, last week we talked about trusting God even if we don't have the full picture figured out. Even if he doesn't lay out everything for us, we would trust God. So this week, we're taking a look at our finances and our money through the lens of faith. And when we look at our resources through the lens of faith, how does that change how we view things? How does your faith change with regard to your money? In uh, Forbes magazine, they did an article, and I was pretty impressed, actually, that they consulted a a theologian, um, Peter Grandich. And uh, this article was ran in 2012. And here's what Peter Grandich said about money and resources and what the Bible says and some principles that we find in Scripture about money. And he said, you know what? Uh, Money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the entire Bible. Money is mentioned more than 800 times alone. And so then he gives us a couple of principles. And again, this was, this was in a mainstream article in Forbes magazine. I so appreciated that they published this. Here's what, here's the, there are four things that, that this article mentioned. This, as Peter Grandich said, you know, putting money aside for investing is a good thing. So even in the church family, this is a good thing. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we have in the church circles, you know, a, a, maybe a, a fear or a, a reason to kind of separate from certain things. But, but investing is not an unbiblical idea. In fact, Jesus even talked about that in one of his parables, the parable of the talents. Do you remember that par- parable? It was, if you don't, that's okay. It was basically Jesus uh, talking about how this, uh, this wealthy guy uh, gave some, some resources to some of his, his, uh, his workers. And uh, the three different workers, and each of them, at least two of them, invested that money and was able to get the boss a little bit more and one guy decided to do nothing with it and so that's one of the parables that Jesus told but the idea is there is investing is a good idea here's the second thing avoiding debt if at all possible now I realize that many of us we have a mortgage and that's one of the more I guess uh, manageable sort of debts but a lot of people have kind of more poor debts like debts that will hurt you consumer credit cards, things like this, um, even, even student loans uh, out of hand. But a lot of people carry like debts from cars and things like that. So uh, that's pretty crazy. In fact, I read some article where they were talking about what the, Amer- what the average Americans owe in debt. And when you add student debt and car loans and credit card debts, not even including a mortgage, check this out, upwards of $130,000 on average. Now, if you add a mortgage, that adds like 40 grand. That's a lot of debt. That's a lot of debt. So, but scripture is pretty clear. Even in Proverbs, it says, you know, the borrower is slave to the lender. That's a kind of one of those, those things that, that, that you find out in scripture. And that's a good thing to think about, that debt actually can, can, can be something that can hamper not only our lives, but also hamper ministry. So, in fact, when Jackie and I were evaluated, to even plant churches. That was one of the things they did. They looked into our finances. That's fun. <laughs> and they, they looked into our finances, find out, you know, what, do you, what kind, do you have credit card debt? What's going on? Because they know that some of those things, they want to see how, how are we handling those things and can you lead by example in some of those things. That was, that was a little scary. Thankfully, we only had a mortgage at that point. But uh, there have been times in our life when we, we, we were in worse situations, okay? I'll be honest with you. So avoiding debt, if, 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 if it's all possible. Here's number three. The more you have, and this is a big one, and some of you are like, what? The more you have, the scriptures say, the more is, is, is you should be giving. 
the more you have. And the thing is, what happens in American culture, it's usually the opposite. In fact, the people that are maybe the, that have the, the less income are tended to be more generous than those who have greater income. But biblically speaking, to, to, to whom much is given is much is required. That's Luke chapter 12. Here's the last thing. Don't focus on acquiring stuff and possessions. And that's a big one. In fact, this Christmas, Jackie and I decided what we were going to do for the kids is not buy them more gadgets. We bought them experiences that they could do with us. So Dylan, as you know, is really big into theater. So we got him some Broadway tickets to a show coming to Portland. And, and we, uh, we took my daughter and her, her husband, Tyler. Uh, in fact, we just did this last week. We did a, a, a really great dinner by a really, a really great chef in Dundee Hills. And that was a lot of fun. We got to do that together. But the idea is probably experiences are going to get you farther down the road than just stuff. And too, too often we can focus on stuff. And did you notice what, what the scriptures say, what Jesus himself said here in chapter 6 about what stuff does? What does stuff tend to do? Rust. Anybody have ever owned a boat? <laughs> I want to have friends that own boats. I don't want to own a boat. That's a lot of maintenance right there. But they rust and, the, you know, things, they, they, they rot and they wear out. And, and what, else, what else is a threat? Stolen. Thieves. I've known a lot of people that have great wealth, and that is, a, that is one of the things that they struggle with. Because they have more stuff, now you're worried about your stuff. Right? That's just a natural thing. So if we're, if we're trying to, to, to listen to the Lord here and listen to Scripture, we ought to not focus on gathering more stuff. Again, Matthew 6, 20 there. So what's your action steps? What's some things we could do to view money and to show that to the Lord by viewing money and using our resources for different reasons? How could we view money differently? And the biggest antidote to it all is embracing generosity. Embracing generosity. And here's what, something I want to say real quick. We, uh, we did it. We had the Project Warm 300. 300 was kind of a stretch goal. I just found out from uh, Department of the DHS and that sort of thing here in town that actually the number is about 270. And I, I asked Stephanie this morning, what number did we reach? And we did it. 270. So we have enough for everybody. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. 300 was kind of a stretch goal. We're like, we should probably have some extras, all right? But even so, even over December, we're all like buying gifts and stuff like that. You guys, generous. And we were able to, to do that. That's great. At the end of the month, they're going to do a Homeless Connect event that I'll be a part of, and we're going to be able to gift those to the, all those folks. That is awesome. But being generous, that is the only antidote to all of this. Give something away. I'm not saying be frivolous, but give something away. There are people that have needs, and you could help. View money as ministry and resources for relationship. Commit to generosity. What, what could that look like for you? That could be uh, maybe there's, there's someone on a fixed income, an elderly family near you, where they could use some groceries. You know? And if you could do it anonymously, that is awesome. It's not always possible, but that's fun. Have you ever done that? Given something, that is super fun. I almost feel like it's cheating because it's so much fun for you. You know what I mean? You're blessing someone, but it's fun for you. Do something where nobody knows it was you. Put that cash underneath the, uh, underneath the door. That is fun. Okay. How about, how about you, you know, maybe some of you, you've never actually given to a church family. 
We try to do great stuff around here. We'd love to have your partnership in that. Jackie and I give every, every, every month to this. Maybe that's, that's a first step for you. Maybe that's your first step of generosity, whatever that level is. Maybe you pay for someone behind you in the line at Starbucks or at whatever fast food. I know none of you ever go to fast food, but if you find yourself in a fast food line, I know that you don't go, but maybe you pay for the person behind you. Um, okay, it's at, maybe it's a subway, okay, it's a little healthier. <clears throat> pay for someone behind you. How about this? There are things that if you've, if you've never been low income, uh, Jackie and I were on WIC when we first got started, that's low income. Um, there are things that fall through the cracks that the, the services that are available do not pay for. So maybe you could purchase diapers and formula for single moms. Bambinos here in town can help you do that. Just little things. This is not big stuff. This is just starting that journey. This, this is the antidote and the helper to see money differently. That we could see money as a ministry and resources for relationship and for people. How about this? This, is, this might be radical. Pay someone's fuel bill, auto repair bill. You know, we have a couple mechanics that, we're, that are connected to our church. Maybe you just say, okay, next, next single mom that comes in, tell me what they owe and, and just tell them I got it. You don't, even, you, don't, you don't have to be even known by that. You know, the mechanical know. So I don't know what it is. There might be something there that sparked something in you. So that's the antidote so that we can start seeing money differently. That's my only point today. Make money ministry. Make money ministry. Imagine, imagine what that would be like for you if you, could, if you could see money differently that way. And some of you already do, and that's awesome. But for some of us, this might be a challenge. This might be difficult for us, especially when you're young, starting out. You've got a young family. There's a lot of expenses. It's hard to look at generosity and be able to embrace it, but you can do it in little bits. In fact, I can just tell you that I know a lot of young families that they embrace giving, and God has blessed them. And that most of the time, the numbers don't even, don't even make sense. Make money ministry. Imagine, imagine what that would be like in your, in your family, what kind of legacy that would leave for your children. And what about us as a church? What could God do in the next five years if all of us are faithful and managing and making money ministry? What could our church family affect in our town? What, what thing could we use our resources for that would be radical? That would be a game changer in our town. We talked about this a little bit last week. I'm going to keep talking about it every week. What would that look like for us in five years to look back and say, man, that was a miracle that God did through us? Some of the radical things I've thought about, I'm just going to kind of open up here to you for a second. What if we could do free, free preschool in this town for single moms or moms in need? They don't have to pay a dime. And then they could, have, they could go to work and they knew their kids were taken care of. What if we could do some radical things that would affect someone's life for the long haul? I don't know what that is. That's just something I thought of. Some of you thought about using this campus as a way to do, you know, after-school programs and things like that. These things will take time and resources, and we really got to evaluate, is this the best use of our, our resources? But what could God do? Start dreaming a little bit. What could God do in your life with your resources? What could God do with all of us together in five years? What could that look like? What is something that our church family could address in our community that would be a game changer? Right? Think, think about that. Dream about that. Is God calling us to do something big on foreign soil? I don't know. Is there something that God wants to do through our family?
Maybe there are some churches or ministries we need to start or, 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 or help out with. How can we leverage our time and our resources and our money in the next five years to impact the world? Is it possible five years from now we could look back and say, wow, we did that. God did some powerful things because we're just faithful. It's always God that does it. But what if we could partner with him to do that? How radical could that be? So that's it. Maybe you need to write down some stuff. You know, we've talked about a lot of stuff this morning. I want to wrap it up. But are there some things that, that maybe God wants to do in your personal finances? Maybe some things, maybe some small things. That maybe, maybe that's just, you know, again, starting a little bit of generosity in your life. Maybe you just really haven't embraced that in small little ways. Maybe it's those things that I, that I mentioned, some, some examples where you could start being more generous. Or maybe there's some ways that you could look at your finances differently. You know, what if, what if you could, you know, begin to, 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 to look at a budget? You know, there's some great resources out there. What, what if you could actually be intentional about how you intend to spend your resources? And what could God do through that? in the next five years. Make money ministry. Let's look at money through the lens of faith and make our money and our resources ministry. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness. You have given us everything. You own everything. It's yours. Father, help us to manage it well and to to use our resources and our money not only to honor you and to change the world, but to make money ministry. Father, we ask for your strength to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.